Speaking of worshiping, Psalm 146 is a psalm of praise. Hear the word of our Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God all my life long. Do not put your trust in princes and mortals in whom there is no help. When their breath departs, they return to the earth. On that very day, their plans perish. Happy are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over strangers. He upholds the orphan and the widow. But the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations. Praise the Lord. And then from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 6. For from the least to the greatest of them, everyone is greedy for unjust gain. And from prophet to priest, everyone deals falsely. They've treated the wound of my people carelessly, saying, Peace, peace, when there is no peace. They act shamefully. They committed abomination. Yet they were not ashamed. They did not know how to blush. Therefore, they shall fall among those who fall. At the time that I punish them, they shall be overthrown, says the Lord. Thus says the Lord, Stand at the crossroad and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way lies and walk in it and find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. Also, I raised up sentinels for you. Give heed to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, we will not give heed. Therefore, O nations, and know, O congregation, what will happen to them. Hear, O earth, I am going to bring disaster on this people. The fruit of their schemes, because they have not given heed to my words. And as for my teaching, they've rejected it. Of what use to me is frankincense that comes from Sheba, or a sweet cane from a distant land. Your burnt offerings are not acceptable, nor are your sacrifices pleasing to me. Therefore, says the Lord, see, I am laying before this people stumbling blocks against which they shall stumble. Parents and children together, neighbor and friend, shall perish. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Has anybody here spent any time traveling on the wonderful highway systems in New Jersey? In the state of New Jersey, we have two driving seasons. We have pothole season and we have construction season. And right now we are in pothole season, aren't we? It's a season that happens at the end of the winter where we try to navigate a slalom course, trying to remember where each new pothole popped up overnight. And you know how it goes, you know, the end of a snowstorm, a plow digs up new creators, craters of asphalt, and me, the unsuspecting driver, driving along at 65 miles an hour on 287, suddenly cringe as my front tire plunges into the latest hole. You know, at least if you ski slalom, you've got this little stick sticking out of the ground that you know that you've got to go around. No such luck on 287. The only sign that may appear is the dollar sign that's in my head every time that this happens as I wonder how much the alignment and new rim will cost. And then comes a joyous day. It's coming. I know that it's going to happen. Where I need to get back home in the afternoon and the road crew is out patching these craters and all of a sudden you come to a complete stop for about a half an hour as you crawl for a few miles until you break clear. And this, of course, is followed immediately by road construction. Detours, torn up highways, go this way or that to get to your destination. 
down by my house, they've been working on the 78287 interchange, I think, for the past 10 years. I'm not sure if it will ever be finished. And how many of you have the joy of commuting into New York? How are you loving that trip to Port Authority as you try to get over that 495 bridge these days? You know, I suppose it is a good thing because all of this construction is supposed to create a more effective, more efficient, and faster highway system. Effective, efficient, faster. You know, these are the signs that we think of as progress. That somehow I can get home at night more easily. And so maybe it's a little bit strange to hear the prophet Jeremiah say to us, Thus says the Lord, Stand at the crossroad and look and ask for the ancient path where the good way lies and walk in it and find rest for your souls. Stand at the crossroad and look and ask for the ancient path where the good way lies and walk in it and find rest for your souls. You know, I confess to you that that's not my inclination. I want the wider highway. I want the higher speed limit. That's the better road for me. Pennsylvania, where I'll spend quite a bit of time over the next number of years driving my daughter to college, has a lot of highways in it. And one of them is the Pennsylvania Turnpike. It's one of the first American superhighways. And it was put there to replace the much smaller, scenic US 40. You may know that road that slow road that passes through the farmland and through Pennsylvania Dutch uh, territory where the Amish buggies stroll by. I have friends who tell me that whenever they can, they get on that highway because there's just so much more to see. For me, I'm going to want to get to Pittsburgh much more quickly. I like the effectiveness of speed. But the prophet says, look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way lies. I've hiked parts of the Appalachian Trail back in my 20s, but I've probably crossed over it many more times on road trips. I've talked to a few who have hiked it from the beginning to the end, and what I've learned is that that ancient path and the modern path have very different purposes. One gets you somewhere effectively and efficiently and quickly, and the other is put there to keep you someplace. Bill Bryson, in his book, A Walk in the Woods, talks about his attempt to hike the Appalachian Trail. And he shares this. There's no point of hurrying on the trail because you're not actually going anywhere. However far or long you plod, you're in the same place, in the woods. It's where you were yesterday, it's where you will be tomorrow. The woods is one endless singularity. Time ceases to have any meaning. When it's dark, you go to bed. When it's light, you get up. And everything in between is just in between. It's quite wonderful, he says. You know, that's the ancient path. The ancient path is not one that takes you somewhere. It's the one that keeps you somewhere. And I suppose that's the opportunity that we give ourselves when we stand at the crossroads and we look smack in the middle of our Bibles and we look at the book of Psalms and we find what for the people of Israel were the ancient paths. The ancient paths where the good way lies. The ancient path where we find not how to get somewhere, but we find how to be somewhere. 
And that somewhere is in communion with God. The Psalms call us onto the ancient path of holy conversation with God. Come, the Lord says in the Psalms. Sit a spell. Listen. Take a path into the deeper way of God. Discover where the good way lies. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. God is our refuge and strength, the very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. You know, the modern path takes you somewhere, but the ancient path keeps you somewhere. It keeps us in communion with the shepherd, with the strength of the one who made the heavens and the earth, to dwell within the ancient path of the people of God, where we find the heart of God, and where we find within God's people God's heart the being of God, the presence of God. And so today in Psalm 146, we find another glimpse into God's heart. And we hear that God is the one who sets the prisoners free, that God is the one who watches over the stranger. It is God who lifts up those who are bowed down. It's God who upholds the orphan and the widow. Come, says the psalmist. Consider the heart of God. Take the ancient path into the heart of God. Stay there in the heart of God so that maybe someday God's heart might be your heart and your heart might be molded by God's heart. Stay on that ancient path so that someday it will be your heart to set the prisoner free. It will be your heart to give sight to the blind. It will be your heart to lift up the bowed down, to watch over the stranger, to uphold the orphan and the widow. I suppose it's those paths that Jesus speaks of, that take us into that heart of God, the narrow way, the road less traveled, the deep woods of the kingdom of heaven where it matters less where you're going. It matters much more what you find right there with you. Ancient paths where Jesus found himself time and time again. He found the imprisoned and the blind and those for whom the burden of life had beaten them down, the stranger, the orphan, the widow. It was the heart of God where time stood still and Jesus wasn't worried about where he was trying to get to. He stopped. He stood at their crossroad and dwelt with them. He responded to their human need right in front of them. All those roads, those rocky roads to Jericho, those paths to Emmaus, the windy trail to Damascus, the ascending way to Jerusalem. Jesus took all the ancient paths deep into the heart of God. And the deep heart of God will always, 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 always be with those who are struggling. It will always be with those who are pushed to the margin of society. It will always be with those who are overlooked. Philip Halley, in his book, Lest Innocent Blood Be Shed, 
tells the story of a little village in France during World War II. It was the time of the German occupation, and in particular, he tells about a little Protestant church, a group of Huguenots, and they embraced peace and nonviolence. And the pastor and his wife taught those ancient paths of the Sermon on the Mount. The winter of 1941 was a brutal one. And the day came when a knock came on the pastor's door, and Magda, the pastor's wife, answered the door. And there, standing on her front porch in the swirling snow, stood a shivering German Jew, a woman who had been on the run from the Nazis who were chasing her and all of her people. And she said, I've heard that this church is the kind of place that takes people like me in. It was against the law, of course, to harbor Jews. Yet there stood one on her porch. What do you do? You got four kids to raise, you got a home to protect, you got dreams that you want to pursue, but there on the ancient road was a shivering Jew. What would you do? Come in, said Magda, come in. And it was a start of hundreds, perhaps thousands of people being saved in that little town by that little church. Church leaders were arrested, taken to camps, and never seen again. He sets the prisoner free. He opens the eyes of the blind. He lifts up those who are bowed down, watches over the stranger, upholds the orphan and the widow. Stand at the crossroad and look. Ask for the ancient path where the good way lies. You know, sometimes I wonder that maybe it's the noise that emanates from the modern highway that causes us to hurry past those who are most in need. Maybe we don't notice because we're speeding so very quickly to get to our destination. You can't even see the stranger or the widow or the orphan. Or maybe it's because we don't talk a whole lot in our society about orphans and widows any longer. Maybe we should speak of the single parent struggling to keep their home. Or the child orphan because their parent needs to work two jobs to make ends meet. Or the widow who is isolated because it's no longer safe to dry. Or maybe the refugee, yes, there are still them. Those who are fleeing deplorable conditions in their country in hope of a better life. Would it be something if such as these would stand on our doorstep and say, I've heard that this is the kind of church that takes someone like me in? A couple of weeks ago, I suggested that we might market this church as being the one that doesn't have all the answers, but it's a safe place to ask your questions. Might I suggest yet even another marketing angle? What if we became known as the most loving place in town? the most loving place in town. Isn't that what Jesus was trying to get at? Love God, love neighbor? For where else would the ancient path lead us to? Loving others is where the good way lies. The heart of God, the ancient path. And God says, walk in that. Amen. Amen.